Shall I give it a go? Yeah, give it a go, but let's play a promo first. What promo? This is the Lovejoy Hour podcast sponsored by Cooker. 100 degree boiling hot water straight from your kitchen tap. This week, star of Line of Duty and White Lines, actor Daniel Mays joins me to answer 15 questions about his life. My trajectory has been people going... Do you know what? That's a Danny Mays part. On Wednesday, I talk relationships with the authors of the book Connect. And on Friday, I release my football podcast, The Eight of the Dan of Football. And this week, the letter is N. The Lovejoy Hour, available in all the usual podcast places and some unusual ones too. Do I start now? Right, start now. Running with Jake, the podcast. On this episode... I think there are some big urban myths about running. Uh, two of the biggest ones are A impact is bad for us and b air bounce is bad as well running with jake the plodcast because every runner needs the occasional plod and here's your host jake Lowe. welcome back to the running with jake plodcast with me your host jake Lowe, running coach motivator ready to fire you up lift you up the world is slowly, slowly, slowly beginning to return to some form of normality. Now, look, I don't want to get your hopes super high here because, of course, things can change. We are being told this on a daily basis. Things can change, but it is looking very promising. And one thing it is looking extremely promising for is the return of the park run. If that isn't enough to get you in a good mood, then I have no idea what is going to fire you up. I mean, the park run's just awesome. And that is going to return April the 11th to talking about the return for the junior park runs, which is awesome. And then all park runs, and there's like over 700 or so of these in in the UK, which is just incredible. June the 5th is the date that's being given at the moment. Of course, subject to change, but June the 5th, hopefully... Park runs will return to normal. Your Saturday mornings will be back to normal. But have you, you've not done a park run, have you, Pete? Me? No, of course I've not done a park run. I only started running. Well, I'm, st- I'm still a non-runner guy, but no, no, I haven't. Do you have to pay for them? Because if you have to pay for them, I may as well go for a run around a park on my own, in my own time. You don't have to pay for the park run, no. It's completely free. Saturday mornings. All right. Park runs are awesome. It's just everybody gets together. It sets you up for the weekend. It's completely free. And people travel for these to do different park runs. If people are travelling to different parts of the country like for they're away for the weekend they'll pack their trainers and they'll check out right what well, is there a local park run i can get involved in that they're awesome awesome events for all levels of ability there's no pressure i mean some people want to turn up rock up race them push themselves see what time they get fine but it's just about showing up getting involved setting yourself up for the weekend you should definitely do it you should definitely try you it. see my big concern now bearing in mind i'm not really see i, I work from home I, everything i do is at home i don't need to go out of the house ever um so my big concern about doing anything which involves other people is that i've forgotten how to relate to other people unless they're on a screen it really worries me genuinely i don't know where i'm gonna look where am i gonna look where am i gonna look in their eyes i'm gonna look at the camera is there a camera what's going on do i look at their chin <laughs> if i look at their chin and there's a spot there it's gonna make them I, what uh, what do i how do i relate to real people i don't even know i think you do make a very valid point martina and i my girlfriend were saying this the other night when when the world does return to normal how is that going to look how are people still going to be socially distanced it's going to feel almost wrong to be shoulder to shoulder next to somebody do you know what i mean in, in, in an event like a park room where there's lots of people there it's going to be quite it's going to be quite interesting to see how things unfold but get park run get that date in your diary 
April the 11th for junior park runs. June the 5th is when all the park runs uh, get the go-ahead, subject to everything being OK, of course. That is a very exciting date. Anyway, you were you were spotted. You said you, you work from home, you never leave the house. You do leave the house. You class yourself as a non-running guy, but you were spotted running around Michelover by one of my runners yesterday. You were spotted. It was you. You were spotted. He, he recognised the Everlast trainers, the 15-year-old Everlast trainers. It's the 15-year-old uh, Everlast trainers that were spotted. Yeah, it was Si, wasn't it? I got, um, I was, we're in the, the, the group chat and he put a thing and I've never met Si in my life. And then all of a sudden, you see, for the rest of the run, because I checked it, it went off halfway through the run, so I checked it. And and while I'm, I'm running, I'm continuing to run like this uh, and, and I'm looking around at every runner and I'm like, who's, who, who, who's Si? Which one are you? Where are you? Have you ever had anybody pip at you in a car yet? No. Why would they do that? That'll happen, that'll happen. The worst thing is, when it's a really bright, sunny day, like with spring now, it's beautiful down here in Bristol, yeah. because of the reflection on the windscreen, you can't see who's in the car. So you you don't know whether you know the person mm. in the car, and also you don't really know whether they're actually pipping at you or not. But you sort of, but do I give it a wave or do I not? I always do wave, but then afterwards I'm like, if that wasn't for me, <laughs> that's really embarrassing. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't for me. Maybe it wasn't for me. So not only a park runs back, the show is full of positivity today. We have an incredible guest on. This is someone that I have tried to get on the show for so long. Shane Benzie, he's a, a running coach and a movement specialist. Honestly, y- you know, I always say to my runners, look, persistence pays off. So persevere with your running, persevere with any challenges that you may have in life. I had a challenge getting Shane Benzie on the show and I, it paid <laughs> off, honestly. I, I must have reached out to this guy several months ago and I just got nothing, complete radio silence. I sent him so many messages, nothing, nothing, nothing. And then I, you get to the point where you think, look, forget it. It's not going to happen. He's not coming back to me. Let's just leave it. A couple of days will pass and I'll be like, do you know, I'm just going to send him another message. Let's just have another little go. It wasn't weird. It was just like, it wasn't stalking, just so we're clear. Do you know the technique I used to finally get him on the show? Blackmail. I used the emoji technique. Oh, nice, nice. This is awesome. This is awesome. So basically... <laughs> I'm sorry, the whole blackmail thing was a bit dark. I'm sorry about that. Carry on. <laughs> it was a little bit dark. <laughs> well, we're staying positive. Park runs back. Come on, Pete. <laughs> this, is, this is completely true. So I sent... I sent Shane a message and I said to him, Hi, Shane, it's Jake, uh, you know, from the podcast. I'm sure you're very, very busy. Uh, I did send you a few other messages and blah, blah, blah. Um, if you could just let me know if you are interested in coming on the podcast, that'd be great. If not, I totally understand, no problem. But if you could just let me know one way or the other. Um, heard nothing. So I sent him another message the following day and I said, um, Hi, Shane, it's Jake here from the Running Project, the podcast. Uh, every day, I'm going to send you a random emoji until you either A, respond, or B, block me. <laughs> Honestly, heard nothing. And there is a technique to this. So you, you start off very gently, you know, smiley face, rabbit, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then as the days tick by and pass, you progress to things like sticks of dynamite, poisonous blowfish, that sort of thing. But it worked. He came back to me. We have him on the show today. We have him on the show. And he was very, very fortunate because he was about two days away from getting the aubergine. <laughs> He was getting it. He was getting the aubergine. For the show notes and video content, go to runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. This is the Talk Derby to Me podcast. I know how well received it is, not just in the local area and community, but um, globally, internationally. I've got uh, friends far and wide that, that tune in and uh, send their compliments on, the, uh, on what you're sharing with everyone. So well done, mate. Three times a week we talk to someone who's doing the city of Derby proud. Footballers and sports people, 
actors, singers, bands and loads more. I feel like I've known you for a very long time, but we've only ever spoken in a capacity like this. That's a real talent. That's that's journalism. If you love all things Derby, give us a listen. We're all Derby, aren't we? Available wherever you get your podcasts. Running with Jake, the podcast. I cannot believe it. We've finally managed to get him on the show. It's It's been, oh my gosh. We have put in so much work to get this guy on the show. Pete, quick, lock the door. Lock the door, mate. Do not let Shane go. The door's locked. We've got him. If Shane's internet goes down, this will be typical. Keep him there. <laughs> Shane, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. You know, we, we're very persistent on the Rhythm Jake podcast. When we really want guests on, we, ha- we have to hunt them down, and we hunted you, you down. You may have recently spotted bushes and such like that you're walking past uh, twitching, um, Shane, and that's because we're hiding in them. We're just keeping an eye out. He's there. He's there, tracking. Yeah, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nickname you the Mountie because you always get your man. You were very persistent. Well done. Good work. It's great to be here. In all seriousness, I know just how busy you have been of late setting up Running Reborn and, and the, the whole online side of things, which, you know, helping people to unlock their movement, their freedom of movement, find this, this free speed that I know you're so passionate about. It must have been a massive job for you. To, to How's it going? Yeah, it's, it's been fantastic. And I, and I guess the timing's been pretty good with... with kind of taking the work online I actually started the project before we went into the first lockdown last March because it was already getting to a point where I was really looking to kind of get that information out that I'd been working on with the research um, out to the masses as it were I had a book coming out um, which that so that was going to do it but I was also yeah really keen to get things online and really encourage people to start videoing themselves moving but then have something to be able to refer to to see how how they were moving once they'd kind of videoed. So I think if we can get runners buddying up together, videoing each other, and then have the coaching platform to be able to refer to, to see how they're doing, you know, are they doing it right? And and then have constant coaching information kind of dropping into that, uh, onto that platform. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a crazy year kind of setting it up. Um, now the work really just begins because it's now that you start dropping in uh, constant content because it's subscriber based. So, you know, we want the subscriber is to have constant content dropping in there. So the work's really just beginning now, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, that's how I came across you, actually, Shane. And I know we've we've spoken briefly before the show about this. And uh, some of my runners and some of my old clients, back from when I was a personal trainer, actually, before I was a running coach, has spent time with yourself, kind of doing your analysis and helping them to to improve the way that they run, perhaps unlock some performance, reduce the risk of injury, and that kind of stuff. Obviously, that's got to be, I guess, that's shelved at the moment, right? Are you missing that contact? Well, actually, do you know, it's I'm actually able to coach outside at the moment because you can coach, you can be outside with one other person um so actually i am able to coach outside what i can't do is the groups and obviously people are limited on travel to be able to get to me so um so it's it's you know i'm not doing it at the rate that i would normally do it i love the contact stuff because that's you know i mean i travel all around the world researching and trying to understand human movement and doing all of this stuff but it's actually getting in front of people that that, that's when the work really kind of comes to fruition and i love and that's when i really learn as well because, you know, I think, you know, movement, it really is a software thing. It's a, it's a mind thing. You know, the hardware, the body, it just reacts to the software, to your brain. And so when you're coaching, I'm sort of learning all the time about how the human brain works and how people learn, because of course that makes me a better coach. 
But actually, what has happened over the last year is I'm uh, doing a huge amount of online uh, video analysis uh, and, and coaching. So I literally do that on six continents now all around the world with runners who send me video analysis of the moving. Uh, and then I kind of critique that, send them information back and then we kind of uh, and then we coach on it. And that just proves the point. I'm teaching people in California and Sydney and Delhi, uh, but I can do it remotely just by sort of uh, Zooming them because actually it's their software that I'm coaching. If I change their perception of movement, that goes a long way to changing the movement itself. Uh, you mentioned something in an article that I read recently in a recent copy of uh, Runner's World. I think it was back end of last year. And you know, you will know this working with lots of different people. You know, sometimes it's how you package the message and you can say something to one person <clears throat> and they totally get <clears throat> it. To somebody else, it's not quite right. That the, the penny hasn't dropped. Then all of a sudden you find the right terminology or the right phrase. Does that make some sense? Uh, absolutely. You, you spoke about... Um, a, a bowed chest when running which mm. effectively helps you to to utilize your fascia which i want to get into and that really it's like the penny dropped for me when i read that can you explain to people listening to this now about fascia because i know this is a really important kind of thing for you isn't it yeah it is i think so when i you know when i first i, I when i became a running coach a movement coach at first I, I worked very much on the thoughts of biomechanics and all of the analysis i was taught to do was on a treadmill um and i spent about a year doing that but it just didn't really ring true to me i was you know when i was watching people move they just weren't moving the way that i'd seen sort of other beautiful runners move norm normally on tv um and i couldn't really understand why it was and so i actually decided to down tools um and thought right this isn't really working i'm having fun but but it's not really working i remember the first day the first time a really good runner came to me for coaching uh who was moving really well and just said you know i want to go faster how do i go faster and i thought well do you know what i'm kind of curious about that myself because you know biomechanically which is what we were looking at at the time you you move in a textbook way so it's going to be i don't really know unless you get a, a bigger engine how you're going to move faster and of course big engines aren't my thing my thing is moving so I downed tools and I actually went out to, I thought, right, I'm just going to go and hang out with the best runners in the world and I'm going to understand why they are amazing. Uh, and, and I kind of identified at that time that East Africa, Ethiopia and Kenya was kind of a hotbed for, you know, great runners. Um, and uh, so I went, I went, I just kind of just down tools and went and ended up in Ethiopia for a month uh, in a very in a tiny little town uh, up in the Rift Valley, um, studying runners and just kind of black my way in really you know just kind of turned up and hung around for a while until they kind of invited me in with your iPad like you grinding me down I, 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 I was grinding I was the one in the bushes and uh, eventually yeah eventually they kind of let me in and uh, and and uh, I just saw I didn't know what I, I didn't really know what I was looking at but what I saw was this movement in the runners male and female that was incredibly fluid and synergistic and connected and actually the big word that I came away with was elastic you know they just looked elastic in their movement but I just couldn't really understand why that was because you know in the western world we didn't seem to be really moving like that but we've all essentially got the same bits so I just couldn't understand why that was so I came back from Ethiopia and kind of for the first time really put my researcher's hat on and started to try and understand why these runners moved in this connected elastic way and, and we kind of didn't and i very quickly came up with yeah with the fascial system and this concept of tensegrity 
And uh, so fascia is essentially uh, an, uh, an elastic connective tissue that runs all through our body. Um, tendons and ligaments are within the fascial family and myofascia which coats all of our muscles so you know it basically runs all the way through our body and we have continuous lines of connective tissue that run from our toes all the way up to our head so if we do start to stand beautifully tall and do everything tall then actually we load this elastic system and this elastic system is really exciting for runners because anything with the word elastic in it you know it doesn't really want oxygen it doesn't really want calories it doesn't produce lactate so it's kind of free from a point of view of an energy source it just keeps giving uh, and it re-architects itself very very quickly it's constantly rejuvenating and re-architecting itself so it's never really more than about seven months old so this system is constantly re-architecting itself based on how you broke it down so if you start to put yourself into beautiful elastic positions when you run you very quickly start to build an elastic system that will allow you to do that task better and so I refer to it as Darwinian fitness that's how I like to think of it so we have cardiovascular fitness but I, while you're running and building your engine and building good cardiovascular fitness, you can actually be creating this Darwinian fitness by moving beautifully, allowing the body to break down and then build up, allowing you to move even more beautifully tomorrow. I mean, that's amazing, isn't it? Because I don't think everybody thinks that way. And I, I certainly didn't. And as I say, that's when I read your article and the, and the penny dropped. But it's almost like when you talk about this elasticity and the fascia, to me, I just have a vision of being back in class at school back of the class with an elastic band firing it towards the yeah. front of the class you know <laughs> if i don't if, if i don't cock that elastic band back enough i'm not going to get that much free energy it's not going to travel very far yeah. is that kind of the, the sort of principles very it, loosely that we're we're talking it, about here absolutely and the thing is with fascia so it has these recoil ability but actually it doesn't really maximize its recoil ability until it's in the last 20 percent of its range of motion we don't really think of ourselves in this way because of biomechanics and because we think of the skeleton as the kind of main structure of the body and everything kind of hangs off of it we don't think of ourselves as elastic but we have an amazing ability to create huge amounts of elastic energy and elastic recoil which is so much more efficient I mean if you just take your left hand and, and, and put it on your chest so if you just do that for me now so put your left hand on your chest now your index finger if you just hit your chest with your index finger so bring your that's it so you're now using your muscles to to hit your chest if you now bring your right thumb and pull your index finger back and now let it ping you could bruise your, you could bruise yeah, your chest. I just hurt myself. I and can't actually, really, I can't. Jake, we find, <laughs> we finally get him on the on the on the podcast, and now I'm hurting myself. This is ridiculous. I do apologise. I blame myself for persevering, trying to get Shane on the show. But it's amazing, isn't it? Because you put more energy effectively yeah. into it. No, really, no extra cost. Certainly for the left hand. There, I'm laughing actually at all the people listening to this that are on their long run at the moment, running around yeah. the world wherever they are with their left yeah. hand on yeah. the chest. <laughs> Don't do this if you're driving. Yeah, <laughs> disclaimer. But you know that that index finger on your left hand on your chest. If you just hit it, uh, you're just using your muscles, and very quickly that finger would get tired, and you can't really put that much effort into it. You just pull that finger back and let it ping, and actually it hits ten times harder with actually less energy because it was recoil. Um, it, uh, it's almost too good to be true. Yeah, you must get a great really reaction from that. 
very simple exercise because but Pete and I obviously were chatting on Zoom. We can all see each other but smiling ear to ear as soon as we did that. It's, it's so simple, but it makes yeah. so much sense. And it, it, you, uh, it works well, with what, all my other fingers as well. I've just checked. All the other fingers work like that. That's amazing. He's very talented, that guy. Pete's talented. I'm glad you noticed that. Not many people noticed oh. that. Shane, if you don't come back on the show, we won't be offended. I completely understand. So don't worry. I completely understand. Well, I'm, I'm, Oh, no, I'll come back. I can't afford to be ground down again for that amount of time, so I'll just come back next exactly. time. I won't, I won't put up a fight. But, you know, a lot of your movement is based on your perception of it. And so because we don't have a perception of being elastic, why would we put ourselves into beautiful elastic positions? We just wouldn't. So that's where the coaching is, and that's where a lot of the work is, is convincing people that they have this elastic ability, um, change the perception, and you change the movement itself. And so, you know, to a large degree, I'm probably as much of a presenter of a thought process as I am a coach because I don't have a whistle I don't have a stopwatch I'm not getting people to run around and get their knees up and get them to do drills what I'm doing is coaching their software convincing them that they're elastic so even that little thing we just did there might make you think well geez, you know what I didn't know that I didn't know I could make that much recoil in my body maybe I do want to get tall you know and, and, and it's uh uh, it's very empowering and that and that's really what I'm sort of my work is more and more focusing on is is cha- changing people's perception of their movement uh, rather than actually having to be just in front of them yeah and surely this isn't connected just to those elite runners either right Shane I mean you you can change your perception ah. of movement no matter what level of runner you are or how experienced you oh. are. would you agree complete yeah yeah, absolutely. That's the exciting thing about it. And the, and the book talks about that is that, you know, fascia doesn't care about your postcode or your your ability to run or, or, or where you grew up or whether you're an elite athlete or a complete beginner. We all have it and we can all tap into it. Absolutely. You know, that's, that's great. the exciting thing about it. Yeah. And you don't have to be trying to break a world record or run for your country to want to move beautifully. Um, so and and because you know I think uh, uh, running is a barrier to a lot of people because a lot of people think you have to be very fit and very strong to run so we see it as a very physical thing but actually if we tried started to treat running as a movement skill like we would uh, martial arts or yoga or ballet then everybody can start that sport because it's a movement skill and you get better at that movement skill so there should be absolutely no barriers to, to anybody getting into the sport I mean, you know we all want that in fact i call it a sport it doesn't even have to be a sport it's a skill you know you mentioned ballet and martial arts and that's a movement skill and i'm thinking well if mm. i was learning ballet stay with me on this or if i was learning martial arts <laughs> i would no doubt have periods of frustration because i'm trying to do these certain things and it's not working i'm i'm, I'm not I'm not executing those movements well. Is there frustration? Can we expect to feel frustrated when we're trying to learn to run well? Without a doubt. We, so as, as humans, we have this thing called um, a perception of effort. Okay, so and, and all, all predators have a perception of effort. So before I before I was working with with uh, with runners, I used to work with sharks. So you know, I used to spend a lot of time in the water with sharks, um, and study them, study them their movement, and sort of tag them and try and understand more about sharks to get better sort of government legislation and stuff. So, and sharks are uh, uh, are fascinating things because they've been around for about four hundred million years, and uh, all they do is just swim around, eat 
eat and have baby sharks. So I spent a lot of time with great, great white sharks and tiger sharks. And, uh, you know, they, yeah, they've had 400 million years to just get very good at what they do, which is just move around. Now, but when I used to watch the sharks, the great white sharks, they used to predate seals. So they used to eat seals. And nine times out of 10, when this shark was chasing the seal, it would actually pull out of the chase. Okay, because while it was chasing this very nimble, very quick seal, it would pretty quickly come to the conclusion, I'm actually burning more calories here than I'm getting. Okay, I'm, you know, I'm wasting my time here. I can't afford to be optimistic about catching this seal, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking I'm burning too many calories. So it pulls out of the chase and it will wait until a slower or maybe older or baby seal comes along that it thinks it's got a better chance of catching. If you watch lions chasing zebras, out on the Serengeti, nine times out of ten, that lion will set off to to chase the zebra, and it very it pretty quickly breaks down into a trot and goes to sleep in the sun because it's worked out its perception of effort is too high to catch that zebra. It'll wait for another one to come along. Well, us as hunter gatherers, we have a perception of effort as well, a built-in perception of effort, and so it's there to make sure that we don't just run around burning calories and wasting energy because we need to catch our food and and make sure that we look at the, that we can feed ourselves so the last thing we want to do is waste energy now i know we've moved on from that and we can just dial for our food or pop down the shop but our hunter gatherer brain hasn't really caught up with that so if we start to do something that's more dynamic than we're used to our hunter-gatherer brain doesn't really want us to do that. And its way of stopping us doing that initially is to throw our perception of effort right up so we find it really hard. And it's cunning because it knows that kind of just makes us sit down. So anybody who starts to do something more dynamic than they're currently doing will immediately face this increase in their perception of effort. But it is only temporary because the more you do that movement and the more the brain gets used to it, the more it starts to realize that actually this new dynamic way is actually a more efficient way, it will start to cheer you on. Again, it's a software thing. The hardware, it really just follows what the software does. So it's this we've got to convince. So anybody who thinks, right, okay, I'm gonna go out for a run tomorrow, or I'm gonna change the way that I run, or I'm gonna run for the first time, they will all have a rise in their perception of effort at first. You should almost expect that. But take that as part of the challenge and and be fascinated in that because it does come back down. And actually, once you move better, (laughs) your perception of effort comes down even lower than where it started because you're moving more efficiently. So you don't need as many oxygen and as as much calories. I think as runners, I'm I'm thinking as I talk here, but I'm not sure we always necessarily know what to do once we have that perception awareness. So let's say I go out for a run. I've certainly done this before. And I'm getting this awareness in my mind. Actually, I'm working too hard here for the 60 minutes that I'm intending on doing all this five miles or whatever it is. At that point, once Mm. I've got that awareness, surely I need to make an adjustment then. I need to do something to to help myself be more efficient or in the case of runners and in races actually get to the finish line and make sure the pace perhaps doesn't drop off quite as drastically so surely there's got to be something that happens then some kind of change in 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 behavior i guess once 
once you know you, you're overcooking it? There's various theories with the brain. There's the central governor theory and there's other theories that basically the brain will, will jump in and, and save you if you are trying too hard. So if you're out doing a race and you're pretty, you know, if you're pretty stubborn and you know you, you're really focused on it and you don't want to give up, then kind of your software will jump in and make the decision for you because, you know, really your, your, your hunter-gatherer brain doesn't really care whether you DNF the race or don't get your medal. It just wants you to go home and be safe. <laughs> so it's the, it'll, it will jump in and save you. So, but so I think when you're, you know, when you're changing your movement, when you're trying to, and this is for uh, experienced athletes as well as complete beginners, when you're changing your movement, and when your perception of effort is going up, your perceived rate of exertion is going up. I think where you can little and often allows you to kind of like like any training you kind of build it up in increments yeah so you know you will feel more cardiovascularly challenged you will it will be sensory overload for the for the software so breaking things down into smaller amounts and doing them more often allows the bod the hardware the body to react to soft tissues being loaded in a different way and it allows the software to start to get used to this new movement so if you go uh, go out and start changing your foot contact or what you do with your arms you're literally just rewriting your software to, to, to do that in the future. Not that, you know, muscles aren't really remember anything. They're just doing what they're told. They get strong at a task, but it's this you're rewriting. And if you really, if your brain, and if you really buy into that and understand that, it's a lot easier to kind of take on that challenge. Just a shift in focus, isn't it? It sounds so simple, but it can have such mm. a big impact, a big positive impact. So we've spoken about oh, the importance of elasticity, Shane, and, and fascia and, and mm. running tall, you mentioned, which effectively, as I like to refer to it as now, cocking back that elastic band at the back of the class. Can, can, we, talk about, yeah, yeah. can we talk about force here? Because I think there's a bit of a misconception with force that, it's it's a bad thing and we want to re, re, reduce force and it's surely how the individual uses that force once they strike the ground can can you tell me a little bit about how mm. force can be your friend rather than your foe definitely and this is one of the big things that i learned very quickly on um from the africans when i was studying them uh and so i use very clever technology now that will tell me in g-forces how much we decelerate when we hit the ground it'll tell me in newtons how much impact we create when we hit the ground um and yeah I think there are some big urban myths about running. Uh, two of the biggest ones are A, impact is bad for us, and B, air bounce is bad as well. So based, based on that information, we're all running around trying to suck ourselves down to the ground as much as we can and trying not to hit it. You know, if we could levitate, we would, because we're kind of scared of the ground. We have an almost adversarial relationship with the ground, um, which is a real shame uh, because actually it's pulling the teeth on two of the very things that propel us so where we are where the probably the last two generations of runners are now is that we see efficient movement as the ability to run over the ground and not use or not waste any energy that's what we see good efficient movement as whereas I see good efficient beautiful movement as being able to move over the ground and create energy as you go because if we move in the right way 
we create elastic energy just through our kinetic movement. Whereas if we move, trying to suck ourselves down to the ground and not get any air, we used an almost entirely muscle-based propulsion, which wants loads from us. So when you're, if you go out for a run this afternoon, when you're running, every time your foot hits the ground, you've got around about two and a half times your body weight coming back at you. Yeah, so Newton's third law, any action is met by an equal and an opposite. So for a human at a relatively average speed, about two and a half times your body weight comes back at you. And if you did a half marathon, uh, then, uh, you know, you'd, you'd have quite a few repetitions of that. Yeah, you know, about 20,000. So you have about 20,000 times two and a half times your body weight coming back at you. Now, you can imagine even your face, your brilliance. I'm, I'm finding so a different you can sport. Imagine uh, swimming with Jane, <laughs> the podcast. Let's call it that. <laughs> And this is where we get it wrong because that scares us to death. But actually, that impact that comes back into the body, that two and a half times your body weight that comes back at you, providing you move well, turns into elastic energy and throws you forward. Impact never injured a runner ever. It's mismanagement of impact that injures us. That's another one of those phrases you just bowled out there that I'm never going to forget. No, I can't. I, I can't give you all. I can't shoot all my bullets my too early in the in the gosh. breach. So it's the mismanagement. It's not the impact yeah. itself. Yeah. It's what happens next. I find that fascinating, Shane. And can I, can I ask you? A human is designed. A human is designed to move over the ground and create elastic energy to move. That's that's how we're built. That's our USP. That's our skill. Let's say somebody is learning this. Uh, skill of dissipating force, yeah. using force, however you want to categorise it, and they've not quite mastered it. Mm. So therefore, force mm. is not not so much of a friend and could potentially be a foe because when it goes into the body, then they're, they're not then they've got that mismanagement. They're not using it well. While they're learning sure. this, is there a place to spend some time? by bubble wrapping the body, as it were, protecting the body, by getting on soft terrain, for example. You know, a lot of people will talk about running on, on grass and things, which naturally reduces the impact. Is there a place for that while, while learning this? What's your view on that? I think it's a good point. I mean, I, where I coach at the pavilion when, I do, when I'm coaching face-to-face, -face, that is on grass. That's on manicured grass so that, you know, that it's a very baseline surface, um, but is, is slightly more forgiving than uh, than concrete so yeah as long as it's a nice baseline surface it's nice and flat and you don't have to think too much about what you're running over because of course you're going to be thinking about your movement then uh, yeah grass is 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 definitely more forgiving so in those early stages while you're perfecting this change of movement and making sure that you dissipate the impact correctly and use it then yeah grass is a good idea i think so and you know what's really interesting is you could take it the other way as well because i think one of the reasons the africans are the east Africans are amazing is that they spend a lot of time of their their time running on mud and clay which basically when you hit it just moves so they create incredible elastic bodies on the on the top of something that just moves when you hit it imagine when they come over and, and, are, and, are, and are racing in Berlin or London or Vienna and hitting concrete then a lot of that you know they're getting a, a lot more back for their money so they're building very strong elastic dynamic bodies because they're running on a surface that, that just gives when they hit it that makes Perfect sense. Yeah, I totally get that. I guess it's equivalent of, of cardiovascularly speaking, high altitude training and, and then suddenly training, yeah. you know, where the oxygen levels are rich. Yeah. It's not odd that all world records are on track or concrete. You don't see many world records on grass, do you, or, or, or mud? I mean, I can't think of anybody who is better placed to give their view on this, their expert opinion. I, I know that as part of your travels, you were lucky enough to be there when Kipchoge broke 
two hours. And that must have been fascinating. I remember seeing one of your videos where you spoke about his uh, analysing his, his two-hour attempt uh, and his, his achievement, rather, and his cadence, the amount of steps he takes per minute, was bang on 180 throughout. Now, this, this cadence thing yeah, of yeah. 180, and we, we haven't got time to get into this in masses of detail, but I'm interested to get your view on this. Is that the magic cadence number? Is that a bit of a myth? Should we be looking at around 180? What, what, what's your view? For anyone who doesn't know, cadence is how many times your feet hit the ground in a minute when you're running. From what I've seen, a cadence between 175 and 185 means that you are sinking in with the elastic energy, the frequency of the elastic energy. You create for nothing just by hitting the ground. So that's too good to give away, really. You'd want to be in that zone. And what I have seen countless times is runners coming from a cadence much lower than that, sometimes higher, but generally lower. And if you can get yourself into that zone with work, your life gets better. Really, you know, if you are in that mid-60s range, which a lot of people are, just put it up by two beats in increments you know every other week or something you've got time you know you aren't got to be the finished article within two or three weeks of starting working on your movement in fact it goes on forever because it's a skill but yeah just putting it up in increments and if you can get it into that 175 to 185 zone that's amazing shane it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you on the show i'm so pleased that we persisted to try and get you to hunt you down have you seen what about bob that that 80s film with bill murray where his his psychotherapist goes on holiday and bill murray just appears wherever he is that's what we were going <laughs> to do we were just going to be wherever you were follow you around <laughs> the globe <laughs> It's, it's, it's been interesting to, to, for someone to persistent hunt me because it's kind of one of the things I study. So it's been interesting to be persistent hunting myself. So it's good. Love it. <laughs> we don't have that awareness where we go, no, no, it's too much energy. We just keep going. Uh, but no, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on, Shane. And when I go out for my afternoon run this afternoon, mm. rather mm. than be a fat-footed fool, which is what I normally am, I, in my mind I'm going to be picturing the... I'm going to stretch tall and I'm going yeah. to picture myself as the, like, a cheese-stringy type elastic guy. So I'll, I'll, see, I'll see how that goes. Most of your work is already done. I have to say, I think Shane phrases things slightly better than you do, Pete, but I, I appreciate the fact that you're trying with this. You're trying. Shane, if people want to keep up with your great work, obviously they can uh, get your book, which is The Lost Art of Running, which is awesome. I guess yep. that's available at all good bookstores, uh, but where can yeah. people People connect with you and find out uh, what you're up to with your Running Reborn stuff. Yeah, so runningreborn.com. Awesome. We'll link that in the show notes page, which is runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. And before we let you go, the final question mm. we ask all of how guests, this might stump you. Are you ready for this one? Yeah, I'm This ready. is your weekly dose of running motivation. What does the word motivation mean? mean to you to me i think motivation yeah i think it's a, a well i guess it's a reason to do what it is that you're doing yeah so to ins what what ins i mean to inspire you i so when i'm coaching all the time because i'm trying to get people to think differently i always talk about inspiring so uh i think yeah motivating is in, it's something that inspires you to get out and do what you want to do and actually, I think for most people at the moment, it's actually getting out of that door. So, yeah. So if you can find the motivation or the inspiration to get out of that door and try some of this, that would be amazing. Shane, I love it. You're a top guy. Have a great week. Speak to you soon. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thank you. Take care. Running with Jake, the podcast. Your weekly dose of running motivation out every Wednesday. Never miss an episode by subscribing now. 
He accepts payments by debit card, credit card, Apple Pay, Bitcoin, beer tokens or magic beans. He's not fussed. Here's Patreon Pete. Look, you make me sound like I'm a beggar. You make me sound like I'm trying to sell something. You make me sound like I'm some kind of a weird salesman. I'm not. You are. All I'm trying to do is offer people a chance to ease their conscience. That's all I'm doing. I think back in the day we've all... I mean, I know I have, and I'm not I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud of the fact that I've watched pirated DVDs. I'm not. But I feel bad about it. Like, I remember the first time I watched a pirate DVD. It was back in the day of Mission Impossible 2. And... I felt really bad because that was a great film. And after it, I had a real... I had a bad feeling of, you know... I don't even know how the producers, directors, Tom Cruise... I don't know how they're going to eat tonight. I don't, they're not earning any money from me right now. Mm. So I just felt really guilty. I felt really bad. And all I'm trying to do is I'm trying to offer people a chance who are listening to this podcast, who are listening to it for free, and they may be thinking to themselves, I don't know how Jake and Pete are going to survive. I don't know because I'm not... I got this for free. Well, all I'm doing is I'm offering you a chance <laughs> to ease your conscience if you are that person. If you're that person who takes stuff for free and you feel guilty about it, then stop taking it for free you can pay it's up to you it's an honesty box just go to patreon.com forward slash running with jake or uh, running with jake.com forward slash podcast and click on the patreon link it's simple and then you can give us money it's fine so you see i'm not trying to get stuff for free i'm not trying to sell anything i'm just offering a service your pitches are getting so convincing i'm almost signing up just sign up Sign up, Jake. Do it now. I'm going to donate. I'm going to do it now. I'm going to do it now. What's the link? Runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. The link's there. It's a big one. Right now, we're going to take another one of your questions. It is hashtag AskJake. Today's question comes from Nick, who has been doing a fair few 5K time trials of late through lockdown to motivate himself, and he wants to go under 24 minutes. He believes he has the ability, but he cannot stop himself from setting off too quickly, which is a common mistake a lot of people make. He wants to know if I've got any tips. So, Nick, here's one for you. Depending on the watch that you have... Uh, most modern watches now, GPS watches, will have a feature on there which is estimated finish time. And this is really cool. So what you would do is you go into the settings, you would set 5K as your target distance. So that would be your time trial. Off you go. And on the screen, once you press start, it will give you your estimated finish time based on the pace that you are currently running at. This can be so useful because if you want to go under 24 minutes, you really want to be setting off around 24 minutes, you know. You don't really want to be running kind of 23 minutes as an estimated finish time. If your target's 24, you could risk burning out. So I would definitely recommend checking out the watch that you use and looking for estimated finish time and use that. Great little feature and I don't think that many people make the most of it. I hope that helps. Good luck with your 5k time, Charles. If you've got a question, it's hashtag AskJake or you can drop us an email at runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. That brings us to the end of another episode of the Running With Jake podcast. I hope you have a great week of running. Don't forget, get those dates in your diary April the 11th for the return of the Junior Park Run and all park runs are back from June the 5th. Fingers crossed the world plays ball. Have a great week. Speak to you all very soon. Oh, and one more thing. Life is not a rehearsal. So get your best pants on and go smash it. Yeah.